0: Today, as I've said 50 times, I think by now, is Mercy Sunday. And mercy, let's remember, is giving something good to someone who doesn't deserve it. Mercy is giving something good to someone who doesn't deserve it. That's all of us present here. None of us are deserving of mercy, and yet our God comes and gives us mercy if we but seek it. What we've got to do is we've got to be people who receive the mercy and give the mercy. Now, how do we receive the mercy? Well, I think the Scriptures tell us, give us great insight into that today. And to do that, I want you to look in the book of Revelation. It's, from, it's in your pew. You have a Bible in front of you in your pews. It's on page 1374 if you have a pew Bible. And if not, you can have look them in the blue books, or you can just look in your own Bible. It's in Revelation chapter 1. Now, again, the whole book of Revelation, you've got to know what it's about. The book of Revelation is the Mass. That's all it is. It's the whole Mass that's going on in heaven. And if you want to know that well, i encourage you to get Scott Hahn's book, Dr. Scott Hahn, who wrote a book, The Lamb's Supper. He goes point by point by point about how this is Mass and how to understand the book of Revelation, you've got to understand the Mass. And it begins with John getting ready to say Mass. And it's going to be important, especially when we look back at the Gospel today. He says in uh, verse, uh, verse 9, chapter 1, I, John, your brother, who share with you the distress, the kingdom, the endurance we have in Jesus, found myself on the island called Patmos because I proclaim God's word and give testimony to Jesus. Verse 10, I was caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's day, which is Sunday, and heard behind me a voice with a loud trumpet which said, right on the scroll. So he's getting ready to say Mass. On the Lord's Day it was Sunday okay the first day of the week then I turned to see those whose voice it would spoke to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands now again where were the seven golden lampstands on earth in the temple the temple has now been destroyed it was destroyed by 70 AD now this was probably written by 90 AD 90 between 90 and 110 AD it all depends some people even think before the temple but probably not. So here he's talking about the seven lampstands that are in. Now the temple is no longer on earth because where is it? It's in heaven. So now he's talking about this, what's going on to heaven. Here's the seven lampstands. They're no longer on earth because they're in heaven now. And as he sees these seven lampstands, in the midst of the lampstands was one like the son of man wearing an ankle length robe, hint, 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 hint ankle-length robe with a gold sash around his chest what was he doing what was Jesus doing he was saying mass in heaven every mass we get to experience the same Christ who's dressed in the long robes of the priest with the golden sash okay now this is what's happening when we go to every mass we are going to heaven and there is Jesus Christ and what happens when John recognizes that it's Jesus, look in if it's your book, underline it. Verse 17, when I caught sight of him, I fell down at his feet as though dead. What are we called to do when we catch sight of Jesus Christ? Adore him. To fall on our faces, if you will, before Almighty God. That's what the angels do in heaven. That's what the saints do in heaven. They praise God forever. And they do that by falling on their faces before him. Now, to go to the same thing, let's go to the Gospel today, in John's Gospel, chapter 20. Again, page 1166 in your pew Bibles. Again, notice. On the evening of the first day of the week, which means they were doing what, maybe? It was Sunday, and they were getting ready, if you can, if you want to read into this, get ready for Mass. Because it's in the Mass, again, in Luke's Gospel especially, but John hints to it again and again. At the first day of the week, what did they always do according to Acts of the Apostles? They got together for the Lord's Supper. So here they are, and while they're in their midst, While they're gathering together for the Lord's Supper, if you will, it doesn't say that explicitly here, though. But what happens? Jesus comes and stands before them. And then notice, that's where the Lord's Supper, the the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, they're getting ready. Then he says, go, and we're going to get to the next part in a bit. But if you go down to 24, verse 24, Thomas, who was with the 12, was not with them. So the other disciples said, we have seen the Lord, but he says, I will not believe. Now, a week later, at verse 26, now a week later, which would be the next Sunday, or the Lord's Day again, they're gathered again. So again, it's very Eucharistic, because when they're gathered, who comes into their midst? Jesus. So here they are, they're gathered again. And when they gather together, Jesus is present before them. Now again, we're doing that today. We are gathering on the Lord's day. Christ is in heaven. Heaven and earth become one. And when Thomas finally sees Jesus now, what does he do? He cries out, my Lord and my God. He adores him. So whether we fall on our faces or whether we cry out with our hearts, my Lord and my God, the first thing we got to do to receive mercy, as Thomas had to do, We acknowledge God. We got to acknowledge who God is. Mercy is given to us when we can look at God, we can adore Him, and we know that mercy comes from Him and not from us. But adoration is so important, and in that adoration, we need to be people who be still or are still in His presence. You know, we've talked a lot about how we can do that in the letters, and I got so. What we're going to start doing is we're going to start bringing adoration back into the parish in a, and bringing silent adoration here. Every Thursday night we have adoration, and we encourage you to come. That's when we come before the Lord in our midst. But what we're going to start doing as of next Sunday, at five minutes before 10 o'clock, there will be a bell rang. When that bell rings, the doors will be closed. And then for five minutes, there will be silent adoration here to prepare ourselves to fall on our faces before our Lord God. We need to silence to prepare for Jesus so we can talk and do everything we want until that bell rings. And every week now at 5 to 10, bang, the bell will ring, the doors will close, and then we'll spend time in silence, in adoration, silent adoration of God to prepare to enter into the holiest of holies. And then at 10 o'clock when the doors are open, Mass will start and then we'll sing, but it'll be coming out of a time of adoration. Okay? So just so we know, this is what's going to start happening here. So I don't get any more letters that we're a zoo before Mass. I don't have anybody else walking out of Mass because we don't have silence. We're going to do the compromise. We're going to have this five minutes of pure, gentle silence so the Lord can prepare our hearts and we can prepare our hearts to meet him in humble adoration. And once we come before the Lord and we cry out, my Lord and my God, and we fall on our faces before him as though dead, which means utter silence, boom! Here I am, God, I'm yours. Then what does he do? Look what he does to John in the book of Revelation. If you go back there to John chapter 17, once John fell down at his feet as though dead, Jesus, he said, you can relate to, he, or Jesus, touched me with his right hand and said, do not be afraid. And he lifted him up. And so that's what we're going to start doing. When we fall on our faces every Sunday, we're going to let the Lord Jesus himself touch us and stand up and say, come on, don't be afraid. I am in your midst. But it all comes with that act of humility that we all need to be making before the Lord God. Silent humility and adoration. And then the Lord Jesus picks us up, and when he picks us up, as he did Thomas, no longer disbelieve, but believe me. Believe that I'm alive. Have life because I have life. And then he offers us his mercy. Today, you know, the greatest devotion I have in my life is the divine mercy, and I remember it for my grandmother because in my grandmother's house, my grandmother, I was going to bring her prayer book up today just to show you. She made the Divine Mercy Novena constantly, and the book is falling apart. And then her old house on a wall was just a ripped-out piece of a magazine. And on that piece of magazine, that page was the image of Divine Mercy, the older image. And then she cut out from another page of that magazine, Jesus, I trust in you, and placed it underneath that image, and she put it in a frame. Well, I still have that, which got to be 50 years old on my wall, in my bedroom. And I look at him constantly with the Jesus I trust in you. It's all about him that when I come before him and adore him, that all he does is gladly pours his mercy upon me. And he wants to pour his mercy upon you. But we need to receive that mercy. And we receive that mercy by making that act of humble adoration before him so that he can lift us up. Once we have received mercy, though, what do we got to do? As Thomas and as the apostles did, we go back to the Gospel of Thomas. I mean, yeah, right, not the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of John. There is a Gospel of Thomas, you know. It's a pagan book, but we have one, in case you ever want to look at it. Anyway, but if you go back here to John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said again, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so I sent you. In verse 22, then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Now again, this is explicit, explicit, giving priests the power to forgive sins. He not only says we have the power to forgive sins, but we have the power to hold somebody in their sin. You know, that's great power to give to somebody. Why Jesus did it, I don't know, but that's what it says. Whoever sins, you forgive they are forgiven them whoever sins you hold bound they are held bound that's what jesus said but what he's calling everybody to do at that time is to be sent forth to be mercy givers priests in the sacramental way but each of us in a way that is freeing and merciful so what you and i are called to do is be a person an icon of mercy now again isn't it interesting the way that they recognized Jesus in John's gospel was how? His wounds. Though he was resurrected, he still had the wounds. The wounds of love. The wounds of self-giving. If we're going to be icons of mercy, guess what we're going to have? Wounds. And the people he forgave were the very people who killed him. So if we're going to be an icon of mercy we got to give mercy to those who kill us just as christ did and everybody wounds us in one way like i tell people a thousand times if you're going to love buddy if you're going to love prepare yourself to get hurt it's going to happen that's reality so say yes to it jesus did jesus knew he was going to get killed by the people he loved and he still said yes No, you will be killed by the people you love. If you're like Jesus, you still say yes. And then you bring them your mercy. You bring them God's mercy. We are called to be Christ to the world. That's what he's calling us to do. That's what he's calling us to be. So today, we need to adore the Lord God in silent adoration by making a statement of faith, my Lord and my God. We need to receive his mercy in our own life. And then we need to give his mercy to everybody who seeks it, which is everybody. You got it? You get it? Good. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.